0: Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. I'll get there in just a moment. I'm excited about being with you tonight and sharing the word with you. I'm also preaching on something that I don't remember that I've ever preached on. I certainly have never done a series on. And so I remember that when I came to Victory Life, next month will be 20 years that my wife and I came to Victory Life Church. Amen. And I remember that one of the messages that I heard Pastor Wayne preach was on the topic of what I'm talking about, and he gave a definition of that, so that message twenty almost 20 years ago revolutionized my life, it changed me. So I'm believing the same thing over you guys tonight, that this will be a word within a word, you'll hear what the Spirit is saying to you, and it will have a transformation work going on in your life. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together. Lord, we pray tonight. That you would bless, O God, the preaching of your word, that you would anoint me to declare, Lord, what you once said. And Lord, I pray that also that you would anoint the ears of the hearers, Lord, that, that you would anoint them, that they would hear a voice within a voice, a word within a word, that they would hear the voice of the Lord saying things to them. If they look past, Lord, uh, mankind or any human vessel, but that they they would recognize that it is you that has come to speak a word into their heart and into their mind. Lord, I praise you, God, for this assembling of the body of Christ, Lord. May you always be glorified in this house. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said, And amen. God bless you. Genesis chapter 6. I want to talk about the subject of simply grace, talking about the subject of grace. What is grace? And um, I went to the the um, computer, and I went to Google to get a good definition of grace. Y'all aren't even laughing. <laughs> grace, by definition of the Internet, is a participation in the life of God which is poured unearned into human beings. That's what they said. Another definition from the Internet was it is understood by Western Christians to be a spontaneous gift from God to people, generous, free, and totally unexpected and undeserved, that takes the form of divine favor, love, clemency, and a share in the divine life of God. Yeah. That sounds good, do not it? Yeah. The message that I heard Pastor Dwayne say those years ago was this word. He said, grace is the power to be what you don't have the power to be. And grace is the power to do what you don't have the power to do. And that changed me when I recognized that, that, that it was such a definition and recognizing as Pastor Austin also said that we are already, we are who we are, but we're growing more into being like the Lord. So part of that is a grace that we have in order to do that, that we're growing in that grace of who we are and what we're doing. And I'll just go ahead and say in the house tonight, in case you don't know it, we cannot do anything to advance the kingdom or to make a difference in this world in and of ourselves. But by the power of God and by His Word and the truth that is being declared, I believe that we're going to make a change in the nations, as Pastor Wayne talked about. Do you? I mean, I've got to get my amen button out. I forgot to get my amen button out. I'll test the volume one time before I start, make sure it's loud enough for me. You ready? Amen. Thank you. I like that. So, what is a difference then in this grace, in Old Testament grace, and in New Testament grace? You ever asked yourself the question that? Because in the Old Testament, they primarily were walking by the law. But in New Testament, we're primarily walking by grace. And so I found as I began studying this out that there is a difference, but also found something else that was interesting. I found that in most of the English translations of the Old Testament... The noun grace in the Old Testament is not used very much, but the adjective gracious is common. That's why you don't see much of the word grace in the Old, but gracious. So God is a gracious God. Can I get a witness tonight? He is a loving, caring, compassionate, gracious God is who that He is. Uh, one definition of the word grace Years ago, I also began to look at, um, is unmerited or undeserved favor of God. Yes. Listen to this. Mankind did not earn grace by working or being something. It was simply an action from a loving, compassionate God to them. Yes. We simply believed and received. It's not something that we did to earn it. It's something that God gave it to us. So now we, here we are in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. It says this, it says, wait a no, think, all the way back to Genesis, I feel a little bit like Pastor Jacob now. <laughs> the... Genesis chapter 6, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what did he found about God being a gracious God, God being a loving, compassionate God? He found that grace that the Lord was showing to him. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 17 says, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 84, 11, and by the way, David didn't talk a whole lot about grace, but in Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, for the Lord God is a son, he's writing, for the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How many people are walking uprightly in the house tonight? Amen. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And because of that, we're walking uprightly in the Lord. I so love the second song. Man, we ought to make that a theme song in Sherman. Hallelujah. About the Father's love and Him loving us. Wasn't that great? Okay, wait a minute. Volume a little bit louder. Thank you. So Old Testament grace is there. Let's turn the page to New Testament grace. What is New Testament grace? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 8 and 9. In the New Testament grace, this, I believe, is one of the big, big verses of the New Testament. So here we go. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is not something you earn, Or got it on your own merit. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I believe that Paul put that in that verse for the Ephesian church because they were doing a lot of things. They had a lot of things going on in the house. They were doing a lot, and so he writes to make sure they understand that this grace gift that we receive from God was a gift that the Lord gave us. Not for anything else, y'all, except we just simply believed and received what He was giving to us. And listen to what it did. That grace that was given to the people in the New Testament, it says that by that, that they became saved. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Thank you. Turn my volume down just a little bit. It is a gift, lest we should boast. So it is by grace that we are saved. Grace is the gift of God. The gift of God was Jesus. And through Jesus, God has shown us his love, his favor, and his mercy toward humanity. So we have been given grace. We have received grace. We're owning grace. So in John chapter 114, I want to talk a little bit about what this grace looks like for us. In John one fourteen, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and He had a little bit of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. I began to pray that over myself when I began preparing this message a couple of days ago, that we also be people that were full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. I got one amen. Thank you, brother. We are full of grace and truth. How many believe that we need to be a church and we're full of grace and truth? Amen. Thank you. We are full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 17. Look three verses down. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're not people that's under the law. We are people that were under grace. And this grace came by Jesus. It didn't come by the law. And so back in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9... The verse I read earlier, it says that Paul states that we are saved by this grace. And I believe that that's why the definition, the title tonight is, it is simply a grace gift. If we understand in the grace that the Lord gave to us, what that did for us, that it made our being, that it caused the power. So we are grace-empowered, we are grace-enabled, we are enabled to be who we're going to be, and we are empowered to do what we're going to do. So when we talk about doing powerful things in the name of the Lord, it is not us that's doing it ourselves, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that He does in us and through us. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. So we are grace-enabled, and we are grace-empowered. We have those. Grace is the means by which we are saved, and faith is the mechanism or the way that it is received. I'll say one more time. Grace is the means by which we're saved, but faith is the, seen as the mechanism or the way that it is received. In other words, you can have grace available, and you do, but if you don't mix faith with that, then you're not going to get it. It's the mechanism by which you get that. Yes. Right. Amen. Sorry, I'm not having a senior moment. I'm just pausing for a second. <laughs> I believe I just heard something. If we don't mix faith with grace, just like we're supposed to mix faith with the Word, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just going to spin our wheels. We can know about grace, about being and doing, but if we don't mix our faith with that, then it's not going to take us to where we're going to get it and walk it. I see, and this is what I heard, so I'm seeing and hearing that there's coming a, a higher level of grace in Victory Life Sherman. There's coming a higher level of authority and power. We heard, Pastor Dwayne, if you went to, to Jubilee, talking about authority, the different parts of authority. There's coming a higher understanding of that, of what that authority means. That we have no authority in and of ourself, but we're under authority and given authority to walk in this. Even with the, I heard it as the praying for the clouds to come, I heard in my heart, Pastor Austin, look outside, you're going to see a cloud the size of a man's hand. That the rain is coming. Y'all believe that? So we have to have faith to believe that. Now watch. And then by having faith to believe it, we have grace to declare. That we can speak to the north, south, east, and west. Come on, rain clouds. Move into the Sherman Ticks on the land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to get my umbrella out of my truck when I start to go home. (laughs) Amen. All right. So... Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 4, Acts, the fourth chapter. So in preparing also, this word about grace and the power of that grace is, and using our faith as that mechanism, as that tool to help us to achieve that so it can be, it can be used in our life. I began to pray about, so what does this mean to the church? And I went all the way back to the early church in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, and I saw this scripture, and I, I'm again prophesying tonight that this is a scripture I believe that the Lord is speaking to, to Victory Life Sherman. He's speaking it to Victory Life. He's speaking to the Capitol Church, the big C they used to talk about at Jubilee. He's also, I believe it's a foundational word he's giving to us again. And listen to what it says, Acts 4.33. It says, and with great powers. Come on, everybody say great power. Great power. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon some of them. It was just upon the leaders. It was just upon the guys that stood up and preached on the stage. And great grace was upon witness. She gave the worship time. She has it. But what does it say? And great grace was what? Turn to somebody to your right and your left and say, You're one of them alls. You're one of them. <laughs> somebody, just said their, somebody just said in their mind, But I'm not one of them alls. Yes, and great grace was upon them all. I'm not one of them alls. Yes, you are. You're in the South. You are a you all. Hallelujah. Come on. Great grace, they had to have it that way. And great grace was upon you all. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, turn with me to Romans. (laughs) Also in my studies, I found out that in in Romans, in the beginning of these chapters, Romans one, two, three, four, five, six, all first six chapters of, of the book of Romans had the word grace mentioned in that. So it says something to me about a church that where they were in their location. They had a lot of things going on as far as law, had a lot of things going on as far as authority. And yet in all those places, Paul writes a word to them because of their location of where they were. Has anybody noticed besides me about that we seem to have a lot of religion around us? We do. We got a lot of religion around us. And yet our walk with the Lord is not about religion, it's about a relationship. Amen. So in this then, I want you to see the word that it says in Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Through Him, talking about the Lord, Through Him we have received grace. Yeah. So how do we get this grace? By mixing faith, but we're receiving it from the Lord. Turn over a couple chapters. Romans chapter 3, and verse 24. We have received grace. Then two chapters later, he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. A few weeks ago, I remember preaching, talking about what redemption and being redeemed really means. Because many times we don't even understand what redemption is even talking about. And I remember that some of it, I I put an age on what that looked like because I began to talk about S&H green stamps. And the green stamp books, piggly wiggly, dial it up. They give you these stamps. See, you don't remember any of this. And they (laughs) they would lick the stamps or they would put a sponge on it and they would just put pages and pages and pages. And they call these green stamp books, they call them, now you can take these, and this is what you call them, you can take these and you can redeem whatever you want at the s and Green Stamp store. And when you walked in, my mother, she's not here tonight, but my mother, when she walked in, she would hand me the books. She said, you carry the books, son, and smile real big, because I want to get a blessing out of going to s and Green Stamp store. Six years old, seven years old, so I'm walking in with these Green Stamp books, and I remember that when my mother walked in, she said this. She said, we have come to redeem what the Lord is going to bless us with. What the Lord has done. And what that means, now think about the words. I'm going to give it one more time. By those stamps, you could redeem, you you could buy anything from the stamps that you had. Years and years and years ago, in Genesis, what happened in the redemption story was there was a serpent and a devil that tricked mankind. And when they did that, they stole away the authority that was given to Adam and Eve, gave the authority away. And I believe there was a conversation in heaven that the father looked at Jesus and said, we're going to have to take our s h green stamps and we're going to have to buy these people back. Scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there was not going to be a redemption that's going to take place. So when Jesus died on the cross, and when he said, it is finished, what he said was, I have redeemed you back. It is finished. That's what he did. It wasn't anything you did with the S&H Greenstand book. It was he did by his blood. So that song meant a whole lot to me last night and tonight. I remember they sang it at Jubilee about being the Lord's beloved. He redeemed us, listen, with his blood. So we don't belong to ourselves, Pastor Dwayne said recently. He said we belong to the Lord, and our bodies belong to the Lord and to our wives or our husbands. I like that. We've been redeemed. Aren't you glad you're redeemed? So we have been justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 2. It says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace was associated strongly with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And I want to skip part of that for sake of time. And I want to go to my last point and talk about So what do we as a church, what do we do with this grace? And I have four more scriptures I want to share with you, and then I'm going to be done. I didn't want to preach long, but I wanted to preach strong. Hallelujah. So what do we do with this grace that the Lord has given unto us as the church? Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Ephesians 4.29, Colossians 4.6, and 2 Peter 3.18. Here we go. Romans 12.6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let me stop there for just a second. Having then grace that is different from somebody else's. See, we don't compare ourselves among ourselves because we have a different grace. Did you get that? I have a different grace. When people get excited and bring to us sometimes things that they are so excited that I think we ought to do this. One of the first things I go is, I have a different grace. If the Lord's burdened you with that, if the Lord's excited you about that, maybe it's the Lord that's giving you the idea of running with that. We have a grace that differs from, it says. But I like the last part of the verse in verse six, it says, so what do you do with that grace? I like this. Let us use them. There's one thing to know you have it. It's one thing to know you can believe to have it. But the grace that God has given to you, he says in the word, the primary thing you need to do is use it. Don't hog it. (laughs) Use it. Share it. Let your grace just run off on other people. Hallelujah. Let us use them. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Second thing that you do with grace. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. When you watch what you say, and you say what you watch, and it lands with grace on it, it says it's going to impart grace to the hearers. I see it like a seed going into people's hearts when we are imparting grace to them. There's some people may even struggle with getting grace for themselves, but listen, it can also be imparted to them. Is what it said. And then Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Then he says, That you may know how you ought to answer each one. There's been a few times I've wondered about, I wonder how am I supposed to answer this person? Now I know. How am I supposed to answer these people? By your speech being always, didn't say some of the time, always with grace, seasoned with salt. I like that. I like a little bit of salt. I don't necessarily care for saltiness, but I do like salt. And seasoned, by the way, so let me change the word, seasoned with something that's got a little bit of flavor with it, that when we're talking to people, it has a little bit of flavor with it. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? I appreciate when there's flavor, when there's when there's conversation that you're having and people are telling you something. Listen to what he said. He said, but it always needs to be that it's with grace. Do we think about that? Do we think about that verse? Have you ever had a fact check in your life and go, I wonder if my speech right now is always seasoned with grace? Most of us don't. We don't think about that. We need to have grace on it and have a grace on it. And then my last verse for tonight, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So reviewing to get to my last point. Let us use grace. Let us impart grace. Let us know how we're going to talk to people with grace that we may know how to answer. And then Second Peter three eighteen, the last one says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to grow in grace too. It's not a one-time thing that you get and that's what you get and you're just stuck with what you get. There's a growing in that. Anybody besides me have recognized that you've been growing in some, in some things? Yeah. That we're growing in grace. See, we are. We're growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, the knowledge of the word. We're growing in that grace. So I believe, by way of closing, I believe that that's one of the most important things in our life. That once we have grace, that we continue to grow and mature. Grow and mature. Don't be touchy, touchy, touchy. Don't be insensitive. Don't be immature. But we keep growing in the grace that we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.